Today is kind of a different day for us, and, and part of the reason why we deal with these issues is because of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. Uh, you see, Sarah last week put it very good when she talked about the creation and, and, and how the Lord came in, created all these different things, and uh, we saw some pretty awesome things take place. And, and the overwhelming reality is, do you mind adjusting that for me, man? I don't want to hear that all the time. Thank you. Nobody else wants to hear that either. Um, the overwhelming reality of it is, is that when, when creation took place, and I love this, Ethan and I talked about this quite a bit the other day, you know, there's that theory of the Big Bang Theory, and I, and I love the show too, I know that's what some of you guys are just thinking about, this show, uh, Sheldon is amazing, like he is Kristen's spirit animal, I think, um, no, <laughs> I'm kidding, but um, just turn the gain down one notch, It'd be the best thing to do, thank you. Everybody give Ethan a big hand. There you go, buddy. Okay. So anyways, um, so uh, the Big Bang happened, and we talked about that uh, in our podcast, actually, not too long ago, in that it's, it's really cool to think about that because whenever God created the earth and the heavens and everything a part of it, it happened like now. And so for scientists to come back and fight and say, this is how it happened, it happened in a Big Bang, well, yeah, it did, because when God speaks, things happen and things take place immediately. And that is what we saw. And so we talked about that last week with creation. Well, this week we're talking about the fall. This happens like one chapter later. So all of a sudden God does all these really cool, awesome things and all these cool things take place. But then what happens? We screw up. Man screws up. Like we're three chapters into this book, into this book of life and man screws up. And, uh, and, and ladies, don't, don't shoot me first, okay? On the words of Jimmy Buffett, it's always some woman's fault, right? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> here it is, okay? The story of Adam and Eve. Hey, he turns back and eventually says in the end of his song, it's always my fault. So we'll get there. But, but here it is. We, we hear about Adam and Eve. And here's Adam. He's all alone. God creates Eve to be a helper for Adam. And uh, she comes in, and all of a sudden, she's face-to-face with the serpent. Now, listen, I need you to take anything that you remember about a snake and just put it aside, because this is not the same snake that you and I see, because it's made very clear in Scripture here in chapter 3 that that God does something with that serpent a little bit later. So she's face-to-face with the serpent, maybe walking around. Who knows what was going on? Maybe it had a thousand legs. It walked around. Maybe it was gigantic. I don't know what's going on with this thing, all right? But here she is. She's talking to the snake, and the snake tells her about this tree in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of of Eden, and and he's like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen the fruits? They're amazing. And Eve's like, well, God said that we could eat from anything else, and we could be here, but we have to stay away from this giant tree in the middle. And he goes, well, he doesn't want you to eat from it, because if you eat from it, you're going to have the knowledge that he has. And Eve's like, what you talking about? He said it's, it's bad, like it's not a good thing to eat from that. And, and, and so she continues to talk, and, and the snake's like, no, no, I'm sitting here, I'm telling you, like, you can eat from this tree. You can eat from it. I've done it myself. It's good. The fruit is spectacular. Can I tell you something real quick? This is something cool to think about when we talk about this story. Number one, all right, God did not have to put this tree in the middle of Eden, correct? He did not have to put this tree. He created all heaven, all earth, and everything that's among it. 
He put this tree of knowledge in the middle of Eden and said, do not touch it. You want to know what I love about that? From the very beginning, God gave us free will. He gave us the choice to make between good and bad, right and wrong. If he would have left that tree out of there, we would have all been walking around perfect. But he didn't. He said, I'm going to give you a choice. And you have a choice to decide. And Eve had a choice to decide in that moment. Am I going to follow what my God, what my creator is telling me to do? Or am I going to follow this snake? Because this fruit looks really good, but we're faced with that on a daily basis, right? Like we see things that look really juicy. They're great. Like this is nice. Like, oh man, if I just, if I just smoke this a little bit more, if I just have a little bit more of this or whatever it might be, like, oh man, this is going to be good stuff. And, and then all of a sudden you're, you're sitting here going, oh wait, maybe not though. Maybe I shouldn't because I know that it's wrong. I know it's going to mess up my life. I know it's going to mess up my family. I know it's not kosher with what well, the things that I'm called to do, but oh man, it looks so good. Look, that's what she was fighting with. She's saying, I know I can't do this, but I need to. Like, oh my goodness, do you see what this is? And so here she is, and she's faced with the same thing that we're faced with constantly in life. Do I do it? Do I not do it? It's the angel and it's the devil, right? Face going back and forth. Yes, no, no, yes, yes. Oh my gosh, come on. What do I do? And so here she is. She's in this place where all of a sudden she's trying to make this decision. And, 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 and the devil, listen to me, and the devil's tempting her. So we know by reading scripture and the stories that you see throughout Old Testament and the book of Job and different places that Satan fell like lightning from heaven. He was cast out of heaven. He was one of the most powerful angels that God developed, that, that God created. And Lucifer wanted to take over God's position. He wanted to take over God's throne. And, and God sent, sent him out. He cast him out. So we know that this took place. And we know that this also took place before this place in Eden. So here, here he is, and, and he's tempting Eve, and he's telling Eve, it's okay, I've had it. And what does Eve finally do? I gotta have this knowledge. Like, if I could just have a little bit more knowledge, if I could know just a little bit more, if I knew just a little bit more about what my God knows, oh man, could you imagine what life would do? But she didn't know what the outcome was going to be. She didn't know what the outcome was going to be of what she was hoping for. And so she goes and she eats it. And then she sees Adam. Adam, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Have you tried this before? And Adam's like, no, we're not supposed to. What are you doing? And she's like, dude, but this is some good stuff. And so she tosses it over to Adam and he grabs it and he takes a big old bite. And he's like, oh my gosh. And then he looks at Eve and goes, ah, you're naked. This whole time they've been walking around, butt naked, and they didn't know it. They were just like, this is normal stuff. Like, let's go. This is normal. This ain't nothing. And all of a sudden, they eat from this. They go, what? Hold on a minute. Hold on. What's going on here? And so immediately, what do they do? They run and they hide. They're like, I can't. Like, what's going on? I need some fig leaves. Like, I need some clothing. I need to go to Abercrombie. What's going on? That's, that was the beginning of that. That's why they have some trees in their logo. Anyways, and... Uh, and so they're like, what do we do? What are we going to do? And then all of a sudden they hear, they hear this man talking. They're the only two people in the world right now, okay? Nothing else is there. Nobody else is there. They're literally the beginning of mankind. That's why we're all related. Mm -hmm. So you married like your 32nd cousin or 3,498th millionth cousin, okay? Like it's creepy, man. But JP, you ever think about that, buddy? Okay, I know. We lay in bed thinking about those type of things sometimes. But 
So this happens, and this takes place, and this is going on. And, and all of a sudden, they hear, Adam, Eve, where you at? And Scripture is so cool because, because in chapter 3, it, it says that, that God is walking through the garden looking for them. God is literally walking through. It says he's walking through the garden, calling out their names, Adam, Eve. And what are they doing? They're hiding behind a bush because they're naked. They're like, hey, don't look at me. Like, what are you doing? Don't look at me like that. I don't want God to see me. Oh, come on. And so they're hiding. And they're like, what are you doing? They're face to face with God. You want to know something so stinking cool about this? What have we learned throughout scripture? We learned, we learned about the triune God, God in three. We have the Holy Spirit presents itself as fire, presents itself as an eagle, presents itself as the wind, presents itself in all these different forms in that way. Then you have God the Father who speaks from the heavens and speaks truth, but then you have Jesus, Jesus in the form of man. And who is it that they're talking to? I love this because could this truly be the very beginning, the very first sighting of Jesus the man walking through the garden? thousands and thousands and thousands of years before he came to save us from the death that we were granted. And so here he is in the garden, and he's talking, and he's chatting, and they're like, don't look at me, I'm naked. And God says this, I love this. How do you know you're naked? How do you know? God knows, because he's like, but I put this tree here. How do you know that? And they're like, uh, he goes, you ate from the tree, didn't you? And he's like, no, he did it. He did it. And, and Adam's like, no, 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 no. You did it. She gave it to me. And God's like, I don't care who did it. Like, this falls on you guys. Like, what is it that you're doing? And so we keep going through this, and all of a sudden, he, he starts to just, he gets angry. He's like, I told you. Like, don't eat from this tree. Like, that's the only thing I gave you. Don't eat from this tree. It's that simple. Don't eat from it. Simple as that. What are you doing? And, and so then he goes in, and then all these things that we start to see. And here, here it is. Adam says, he answers God, because God's calling out, where are you? And Adam answers him, I heard you in the garden, and I was just afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And then God said, who told you that you were naked? And so this goes on, this conversation goes on, and then, and then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? What is it that you have done? And then she blames it on the serpent. And so God immediately turns to the serpent. You know what takes place? You know what happens? God immediately turns to the serpent. And he goes, hey, this is why I told you, don't think about the snake in the way of a normal snake, right? Because he says, I'm going to make you live on your belly the rest of your life, and you are going to suck dirt. That's what God said. So if you ever use that at a baseball game, you're mad at somebody, you tell somebody, go suck dirt, like that's scriptural right here, okay? He says, I'm going to make you crawl around your belly, you're going to eat dirt, and this is going to be your life the rest of your life. Congratulations. And then he turns to Adam and Eve, and, and he tells them some pretty crappy things. Hmm. Women, those of you in this room that have had childbirth, thank Eve. Because at that point, God looks to Eve and he tells her, because of the things that you have done in between you and the woman and between your offsprings and her heirs, I'm going to crush your head and strike your heel, he says to the serpent. But then he looks at the woman and says this, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. 
He's like, I'm going to make every woman from this point remember, like, this is going to be your thing. Like, Eve messed up, so here it is. I'm going to make your childbearing very severe. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. With painful labor and give birth to children, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit. Can I stop for a second? Hold on. Let me go back. Let me go back. I'm going to stop there. Men, listen, if this is any Father's Day message, this is what I'm going to give you real quick, okay? Check this out. For real. It says that. It says, and he will rule over you. He looks to Adam and says, you will rule over Eve. Listen to me. Do not, do not, do not ever think that you have authority over your significant other. God made you the head of the household. He, he talks about that. But listen to me. Your marriage, your relationship should mimic the Trinity. You're one. You're one with different roles. You're one with different roles. You have to serve different roles in your house as one. I've never seen a relationship work when somebody walks around taking authority in the relationship. Do not allow that to take place, man. That's my Father's Day message today. Thank you. Um, to Adam, he said this, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, we're going to kill Eve and start over. No, that didn't happen. Noah's like, really? I didn't hear that. That's cool. They don't talk about that in kids' church. Um, no, you must not eat from it. So then he says this, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and for dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of the all living at that point, and they were vanished. So they kick, God kicks them out of Eden. He sends them out. And then scripture goes on to say this, that he put this angel cherubim. And this was the second most powerful angel that God created to then protect the entrance to Eden because he did not want them to come back in. It was time for them to go. So I want to talk to you for a moment. That is what we call the start of original sin. There are two things that we talk about, original sin and personal sin. Personal sin are the things that you choose to do. It's the things that you mess up with. It's the things that you do against God uh, personally, all right? And so that's personal sin. Original sin is something that you're born with, and you're born with it because of this exact moment in, in life, because of the things that took place, because of the things that you're going to reap because of this moment in life. That's your original sin. We deal with it. We have issues with it. We struggle at times. We deal with pain at times. We struggle to see things correctly at times. Sometimes we struggle to be around people at times because that original sin is a part of us. So many times people just want to surrender that. Like, I surrender my original sin. It doesn't work that way. Scripture talks about it over and over and over again that, that the way to, to escape that original sin, the chains of that original sin listen to me, is through sanctification. It's a huge word, right? Big word. Here's what it means. It means to be one with Christ. So in our lives, we strive to have this relationship with God. And it's as simple as, as literally just surrendering it to him. 
this past, uh, I guess it would have been uh, yesterday morning, my uncle passed away. Uh, he was far too young to be passing away. I think he was in his 50s. Um, and he dealt with cancer and he dealt with some other things. And, and uh, cancer ended up taking his life. But he wasn't a man of faith. Last week, I, I think it was on Tuesday, he, I don't want to use words, he, he became real again, if that makes sense to you. Like, he became himself again. And he talked, and, and my aunt was talking to me and said that he came, she came walking into his room in the hospital, and he looked at her and said, I'm getting ready to die, aren't I? She said, yeah. He just kind of shook his head, and she said, are you okay? He goes, I'm scared. I get that. I couldn't imagine if I knew that within the next few days I was going to be gone. And so she said to him, hey, do you want to see a chaplain? They have one here at the hospital. And he said, no, no, thank you. You see, he didn't like religion. He didn't like the way that the church had treated his nephew. He didn't like the way that the church had treated different people in his family and his sisters and, and all different people and time and time again. And he just didn't have a thing for religion. And uh, they were talking and an hour had passed. And granted, in their, in their years, years of marriage, I don't know, 30 years maybe of marriage, she had never heard him talk about Jesus. Not only that, but never really heard him ever, ever pray a prayer. And out of nowhere, in the midst of sitting in this room, he busts out in prayer. And he asked God to forgive him for his tribulations. And, and, and he just used these words that she had never even heard come out of his mouth before. Didn't even know they were a part of his vocabulary. And, and just recited this prayer that she said that would be a prayer that would even be scripted for a movie. Like it was just so beautiful and so perfect. And she wanted to pick up her phone and record it. But she was literally in shock of what was taking place and what was happening right in front of her eyes. And after asking for forgiveness and, and, and repenting of the things that he had done in his life and, and the person that he was at times and, and all these different things, he ended up asking for a chaplain and that chaplain came in and prayed with him and he accepted the Lord. And, and a couple hours later, after talking to a few other family members, he was gone. He was back into this comatose state and they never really got to have another conversation with him again after that. But God made a way for him in that moment to be able to settle the things that he needed to settle in his life, to be able to tell his daughter how happy and, and proud he was of her, to talk to his wife, and, and, and to be able to talk to his Lord and Savior, knowing that it's not about religion 
It's not about the laws. It's not about all the things that get said. It's not about the harshness. It's about the love that Jesus has for us. It's about an eternity in heaven with him because that's the overwhelming reality of it is that you literally have two choices. It's either heaven or hell. You live your life one way and you end up in hell and, 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 and that's where you're at for the literally the rest of eternity. Or then, then there's this other place where you go and it's heaven and it's beautiful and it's, a, it's amazing and there's no suffering anymore. And, 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 and even if you got bad knees, a bad back, or you struggle with cancer or whatever it might be, all that is just washed away and you are perfect. And that's literally what all of this is for. And, and my goal in life is as simple as this. It's not just to tell people about Jesus. It's to tell people about Jesus so that they can have a relationship with Jesus so that they can be in heaven with me. And I hope to God I end up in heaven. Like, and, and I want to be in heaven with them. An eternity with them. I don't want to spend the rest of my eternity in hell and suffering because I know what it feels like to suffer. I know what it feels like to literally live in hell right now, and I'm sure it's even worse there. But that's what it's all about. There's this passage in Isaiah. It's Isaiah 43. Verse verse 2. And this popped up on a screen for me this week in a perfect perfect moment. And it says this. And I believe that there's somebody else in this room that really needs to hear this. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. God will be with you. When you pass through the waters, God will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, the waters will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze because I am with you, because God is with you. How incredible of a promise is that, that God is with us, even when we feel like we're drowning, even when we feel like we're in the midst of a blazing inferno and and we just can't get out of it. God is with us and he's going to let us come out of that unscathed. We might feel like we're getting beat up. We might feel like we got a lot of bruises and a lot of scars happening, but he is protecting us from that. And And this moment that I'm in and all the stuff that I'm dealing with, I know that God is protecting me. Yeah, sometimes we struggle and sometimes we ask questions, God, why does this have to happen? It's okay to ask questions. I need you to hear that. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to struggle. It's okay. But let me tell you something. What this is all for is to know that God is with you always. In the waters, in the storms, in the current of life, in the flames, he is with you always. And regardless of what took place that day in the garden, Regardless of what took place that day in the garden, Jesus came back thousands of years later to set us free so that we can be free in him. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you don't have that relationship yet, if you're looking at this going, oh my gosh, like I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven or if I'm going to hell. I don't don't know what this looks like in my life right now, but but oh my gosh, like how, how, do I, how do I fix this in my life? It's as simple as this. It's, it's simple. You don't even need me. That's the best part about this. It's, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. 
all that you do is exactly what my uncle did. You ask for forgiveness. I'm sorry. Man, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I'm sorry for the things that I don't even know that I've done. I repent daily because I need to. I have a mouth on me sometimes. I'm sorry if I say something to hurt you, but I got to repent sometimes. I got to repent daily. The other thing is this is just, just acknowledging the fact that he is your Lord and your Savior. And you want to know the best part about that when that takes place? Scripture says that you are adopted into his kingdom. That's my favorite part. Not only does he wipe your slate clean, not only does he, does he free you from all this stuff, but he adopts you in. In all those names that you've been given of the world, all the things that people have called you, all the things that have hurt you, all the things that just seem to grab a hold of you and, and pull you down and chain you down, I want you to know something that's gone. And the name that you have is to be a child of God. You're his child, the creator of the universe, the one that created the heavens and the hells, the one that created the earth, the one that created literally everything is the one that, that is there for you every single step of the day. If that's you today, if you don't have that intimate relationship with Jesus yet, if you don't have even the closest relationship yet, maybe you've had that relationship, but you're struggling and you've kind of walked away a little bit because you're angry. Why would God do this to me? I'm angry. There's no better time than right now to settle that. So I'm going to help you out a little bit this morning. I'm going to I'm going to guide you through a prayer. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you to say this prayer. You can say it out loud. You can say it in your head. I don't care how it is that you do it. But I want to encourage you today to pray that. And if you're in this room today, and you're like, man, I got a great relationship with God right now. I want to encourage you to take that to the next level. To take that to the next place. To say, God, I know that I'm walking around with you and you're right here with me every step of the day. But man, I'm controlling my life. I'm ready today to hand my life over to you and let you control my life. I want to encourage you today to take that step. So pray this with me today. Jesus, I love you, and I need you in my life. Forgive me for the things that I've done. Take me into your kingdom and give me that new name, a child of God. I love you, Jesus, and I need you, Jesus. Keep your heads down and eyes shut because I'm, I'm not done praying yet. But if you prayed that prayer with me, would you just lift a hand for me? Because I just want to be able to pray with you at times. Thank you so much. Thank you. Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you for being there when we feel like we're drowning. 
when we feel like we're in a boat that's tipping over and there's no end in sight, but Father, you calm the storms. In the moments when it feels like we're just walking through the burning fire, the raging fire, and we can't see anything past it. But yet you protect us. You protect us even to the point that we're not just getting burned, but we're dancing in the flames. We're dancing among the lions. We know that you are that powerful. So Father, I ask you today, whether it be in the form of healing, whether it be in the form of revival, a new relationship with you, a renewed relationship with you, a next step with you to be sanctified in you, to hand you the keys of our life, to say, I need you now to take my life over. I'm tired of steering in the wrong direction. I need to listen to you and and give everything that I have to you. So, Father, I thank you for moments like this. I thank you for forgiving us from thousands and thousands of years of junk to say, I want to set you free from that. I want to set you free from the things that you do. I want to set you free from the things in this world. Father, we know that you love us, dear so I thank you for that today, Jesus. Bless us today. Bless us today as we go and we're a light in this world of darkness. Father, as we celebrate today, we celebrate a holiday today that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. celebrate Juneteenth and Father we know that that's not even a holiday that we should have to celebrate but because of the things that have happened in this world because of a fallen and broken world we have to celebrate freedoms we have to celebrate the the things that took place in 1865 as slaves were set free for the first time Father I pray that we're not we're not dead to that I pray that we're not immune to that that we see the issues of this world, that we see the strongholds of this world, that we see that we as people are putting a separation in place just because we don't look alike, because we don't sound alike. Father, I know that you are working, but we have to be obedient to hear from you so that we can be the change and we can be the difference in this broken world. So Father, we thank you for setting us free for giving us that opportunity to be free in you. Jesus, we thank you for this very moment. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hello, my name is Doug Doms. I'm the executive pastor here at the Movement Church. It is through your blessings that this ministry continues to reach out and touch lives that might not have been touched otherwise. If you want to continue to support our ministry, please go to movementchurch.community and please remember to tell your friends, go on social media, tell your friends at Movement 937.
God bless you and have a wonderful day. And thanks again.